And welcome back. We're still at Mile High Magazine. I am Murphy Houston. Join now with my friend Kelly Roberts, the Community Resource Specialist at Dr. Cog, the Denver Regional Council of Government. And it's our weekly discussion with Dr. John Douglas, who is the Health Director of Tri-County Health. And let's see what's going on in the state of Colorado. How are you, Kelly? I'm good, thanks. I'm delighted to be here with you. Well, we're, we're glad to have you. Are you at home or in your car? Where are you these days? <laughs> I am home where I have been since the middle of March. Oh, my. Getting a little crazy there? Yeah, mostly the cats. Oh, no. <laughs> cats have a way, don't they? They get that way. We're very blessed to have Dr. John Douglas, who runs Tri-County Health with us. He's been here week after week after week with updates on COVID. And, uh, Dr. John, how are you doing? Uh, Murph, I'm doing fine. Doing fine. We're... Uh, um uh, hanging in there at the health department, uh, trying to keep up with the increased number of cases we're seeing in the community and trying to get us all to figure out how we're going to uh, fight COVID fatigue so we can more effectively fight COVID. Well, what do you think is going on with that? What do you, what's, what's happening? Well, uh, you know, from a perspective of the numbers of cases, they're going up across the country, virtually all states now. Uh, the uh, upper Rocky Mountain states seem to be particularly hot areas. Colorado is kind of not quite as bad as those states to the north of us, but we're going along for the ride. Uh, we're seeing the same sort of trend in the metro area. Um, our data tell us that probably the most common site of exposure are personal get-togethers, personal gatherings. I think we talked about this last week, but we continue to see that that that's that's where people are are hanging. We 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 know that when we watch people walk in and out of big box stores, uh, big supermarkets, et cetera, they seem to be doing a really good job of wearing their masks. We think it's in the comfort of your own home or your friend's home that you may be letting your guard down. So we're um, and we and we do know that every ounce of information we get tell us that people are just really kind of over it yeah and just wish it would go away and we do too but it's <laughs> we're not there yet so no we're not even figure out how we buttress ourselves to get through this last wave so what do you think direction we we need to go you know the mayor of denver just made it mandatory to wear a mask all the time inside and outside do you think the governor will do something like that you know, I don't know. I, I, I do think the Tri-Counties had its own mask order, um, which applies to most of the parts of our three counties. Um, and we've always had an outdoor mask mandate as well, with the caveat that if you're out there walking by yourself, you don't need to wear a mask. But if you're within six feet of others, you really should. I don't think it's nearly as important as indoor masking. Let me be clear about that. But I do think there is probably some symbolic value. I think the more we see other people wearing masks, the more it kind of gets drilled into our heads since we're social creatures. And I think there are some settings, probably less so as the weather gets colder like it's going to get this weekend, but there are some outdoor settings where we see people kind of crammed together on the sidelines of a pickup football game or something like that where I do think uh, transmission can happen. And speaking of the cold weather coming in, will snow and cold weather here in Colorado have an effect on the COVID, maybe control it a little more, knock it down instead of being so airborne? I don't know. That's a really good question. I, I think the, the, the things that cold, snow and cold could do, first of all, snow and cold could help control these terrible forest fires. Yeah. And we do, we do believe that air pollution and probably wood smoke pollution may compromise your respiratory system and could make you somewhat at greater risk of acquiring COVID. So that's sort of one idea. A second idea, however, is that 
honestly, the colder it gets, the less likely I am to sit on my front steps and have a cup of coffee with you when you're six to seven feet away because we're just too cold, so we're going to go inside. So I'm worried that the, the cold driving us inside will outweigh any other benefit we may be, may be able to get out of cold weather. Wow, that's something to look to. Uh, Kelly, what do you think? Well, what, what was going through my mind is that, um, you know, wearing a mask when it was 90 degrees was really uncomfortable, but I'm hoping that the, the cold weather may mean people might not mind wearing that mask as much because it keeps your face warm. I like that, Kelly. Every time I wear one, I feel like I'm putting on a ski gator. <laughs> Especially when it's cold. So that's a, that's a that's a that's an angle we haven't been promoting, but I like that thought. Yeah, it's a good angle too. I like that whole idea. Well, let's talk about the schools. I mean, it seems so up and down. And I know you work closely with the Cherry Creek School District, where my daughter teaches, and they're on the edge over there. They just don't know. Yeah, we're on the edge everywhere in terms of schools, and we just don't know. What what I would tell you is that I am working really closely with districts across all three of our counties. Um, I think they've, in general, done quite a good job of maintaining prevention practices inside the schools. We get some complaints, um, and but the schools uh, and have been pretty readily uh, willing and, and quick to address them uh, when they come up. So that's number one. I, and I think the various layers of protection the schools have put in Masking in most circumstances, spreading desks out as much as possible. You know, we can't get all desks six feet apart, but they're pretty spread out. Really optimizing ventilation, air exchanges, using filters, um, keeping classes, especially at the elementary level and in cohorts. What a cohort means is there's just 30 kids who hang out together as opposed to mixing in the lunchroom and this kind of thing. And that reduces exposure and it reduces the number of people who might need to be quarantined if there is a case. Uh, doing a really good job with disinfection of environmental surfaces, having lots of ways of doing hand hygiene. I think when you add all those things together, you create a web, none of which is perfect, but taken together, they really create a very safe environment. The schools are doing, and Cherry Creek really led in developing a way of monitoring and recording and, and sharing. Uh, data on inside the school, intra-school transmission. And uh, we're, we're continuing to see that the vast majority of cases that are occurring in schools do not appear to come from the schools themselves. They appear to come from community settings. Now, if they get into a school, then the school may have to cancel classes and send people home on quarantine. But I've been, uh, to me, one of the biggest um, uh, lessons of what's happened so far is that when you practice these things, transmission inside schools uh, is actually quite a low phenomenon. And that could change, and we're not just going to take it for granted, but at least the early returns seem to suggest that pretty strongly. Yeah, I haven't heard a lot of cases, at least in the Tri-County area. I don't pay attention to the entire state, but it seems like cases as far as the students and teachers aren't out of control, are they? Well, they, they, they are in the community. I mean, we see our community rates go up, but not inside the schools. And again, we do see kids who probably got it from a family member who come to school and they're sick and other kids get exposed and then we have to quarantine the class. But because I think those classes are in general being held in such safe circumstances, transmission inside the school uh, doesn't appear to be happening very commonly at this point. 
Well, I do have a granddaughter who goes to Cherry Creek High School, and you know she does the Tuesday Wednesday cohort or whatever they call those groups when they go in, and she says she feels very safe inside the school. And when I pick her up in the afternoons. Those kids, when they get out, they're all wearing a mask. Even outside, they still have them on. I think that's a good thing. I think it's fantastic. And I know that, uh, you know, I think mask wearing, like so many things in life, is sort of a learned behavior. And, you know, it's partly normative if everybody else is doing it and we get consistent messaging about the importance of it. I think, frankly, we're all more likely to say, you know, I don't really like this, but I'm willing to do it. I get why we need to do it. Something well, like seatbelts. So, yeah, yeah, you're doing it for yourself, but you're also doing it for the people around you. Is that correct? It's absolutely. And we still think that protecting others is the primary benefit of wearing a mask. But there is some personal benefit as well. So, um, again, it's sad that it's become politicized. I, I love hearing stories like what you just told me about your granddaughter, because I think that's what's going to move the dial of helping us sort of maintain that uh, protection. I will note that Tri-County just reissued our mask mandate for most of our three counties. A few jurisdictions decided to opt out. And we decided that what we ought to do is announce that it would be in place until we felt like we had uh, substantial reductions and the pandemic uh, ending was in sight. And really, I wanted to send the message that we don't really like it. We didn't used to do it. Let's get used to doing it so we can keep ourselves as safe as possible for the rest of the pandemic. And it's going to be a while. We're going to be wearing these masks for a while, and hopefully not forever. But, you know, see a lot of countries around the world adjusting. A lot of people in the Far East have worn masks for a long time for a lot of different reasons. Yeah, and, and, and that's not been our culture. And, and, of course, we have a strong culture of individualism and liberty, and that's, you know, coming into uh, conflict in some ways with this broader community protection approach. But I do think that we, we may be seeing uh, – you know, that, that norm become more common. And once again, I love, Kelly, your idea that if it's cold, why not just, you know, bundle up with another layer of a mask uh, to keep you warm. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, and, well, and Kelly, Kelly, well, there you, you are... go, Dr. Dr. John. I just gave you a whole promotional idea. <laughs> hey, you're not going to get paid for that now, Kelly. you got to share <laughs> that information. No, we give out honorary public health degrees to people like Kelly. Who make oh, there you go. Like there you go. <laughs> So, so, Kelly, do you wear a mask around the house, even though you haven't been outside your house since March? Are you still wearing a mask there? In my house? Yeah. No, it's just my husband, me, and the cat. Oh, do you go to the grocery store at all or do any outside things like that? Yeah, I do to a limited degree. I try to go to the store, um, like, at times when off-peak time. Smart. And, and I'm Smart. very about my other errands. I keep it to to a minimum. But I, I have to say, I, I sort of feel kind of safe in my mask. And and I have, I always have wipes and, and sanitizer with me. Um, and I'm pretty impressed with how the stores are taking this seriously and doing things to keep people safe. Hey, there you go, Dr. John. That's a good testimony. right? She's like a walking urgent care, Kelly. Yeah, I like, I like <laughs> I yeah. like hearing that, Murph. That's great. You know, one thing I want to mention, because you and I have talked about flu vaccines before, is that we we do believe that uh, vaccines are being used more widely this year. That's great. Um, we also, so far, have seen very little, if any, flu activity in Colorado, Hooray. which is not unprecedented to, for that to not have happened by mid-October. But it's maybe mildly encouraging that all that extra vaccination might be giving us an added layer of protection 
with a with a, a reminder that this will not prevent COVID, but it can prevent us from getting sick. And some of us can get sick enough with flu to go to the hospital. And our hospitals are beginning to feel the surge of more COVID cases. So we're trying to do everything we can to keep their capacity as open as possible to deal with whatever uh, comes in. We want, don't want people to not get good care, and I, I think we all need to be attentive to that. And uh, flu vaccination, if anybody's not gotten it yet, uh, there's still time. Uh, please do so. Absolutely. And wearing a mask might be helping with that flu situation, do you think? Absolutely. We've, I mean, we've known that masks prevent respiratory virus transmission for, for decades, and flu has been the prime example. That, that in certain settings, masks can reduce uh, flu acquisition by 50%. And so when you add a mask to a vaccine that, you know, some years is no better than 50%, that gets you a lot of protection. Absolutely. Agreed. So before we let you go, with the holidays coming up, you got Halloween, you got Thanksgiving and Christmas, what are your recommendations for family and family gatherings? Be careful. Be careful. Uh, uh, you know, the national experts, Dr. Fauci, Dr. Francis Collins, head of the NIH, will remind us all that it stinks not to be able to get get together with our family over the holidays, but this is the year to probably face that reality that we need to keep our gatherings as small as possible. Um, that's Thanksgiving, that's Christmas, that's Halloween, where we want to really restrict our gatherings. Uh, if you're getting together with friends, make it as much outdoors as you can and make it as few people as possible. That'll help keep everybody safer. Well, how about, uh, I, can, I can think families might, that usually come in from another state, I would avoid that entirely. But if you've been around family off and on the last few weeks or months and you've been okay, how about getting together with them? Yeah, I think, I think part of the issue is if, if, you're, if you've got part of your family who themselves are living like Kelly and her family and, you know, really not having much contact, I think that's safer for you. Okay. I think where you get into a situation is where one family member is got lots of outside contact and again most at least a large chunk of transmission comes from people who don't know they have it so i think that how your family's been behaving is is probably as important to your safety as as, as how you've been behaving if you're going to be getting together okay. uh, so I, I think those parameters are worth keeping in mind as well Nice way to end it. Dr. John Douglas from Tri-County Health, his weekly visit. John, we appreciate your time. I know you're very busy. And uh, keep us informed. We couldn't do it without you, my friend. Okay, Murph. Great to be with you. Yeah. Uh, take care. Stay All healthy. Right. Talk to you next week for sure. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks. Thank you, Dr. John Douglas, Tri-County Health, for your update. Let's all keep it safe out there. Wear a mask, the separation, the washing of the hands. Thank you, Kelly uh, Roberts from Dr. Cog, the Denver Regional Council of Government, for joining us. And we'll talk to you all next week here on Mile High Magazine.